Hi everybody, Colin Stevenson here, and I'm joined again today with John Lenhart, my hero. How you doing, John? Good. How you guys doing? Very well, thank you. Now today, John and I have got a, a, a subject that's very close to our hearts, and uh, it involves children, but it also we can turn this into business as well, um, and, and we can put it into kind of daily life. So I, my passion is allowing children to be children, allowing them to be unique. That is our, what we're about, John, about everyone's uniqueness. And just because they're a young child doesn't mean that they're not as unique as an adult, okay? And we can protect them when they're younger so that they feel more confident to grow into their uniqueness when they're older and mental health isn't as bad. We can literally change mental health for the next generation if we all try, can't we, John? Absolutely. Okay, now... The reason I speak about this is because I watch a lot online and I may not get involved in the conversations all the time. I like to watch things and I like to watch trends and I like to watch where, where, where we can have a problem and we can dissolve it. Okay, we don't need to solve it because we can dissolve it. And we did a video on this last week and it was fantastic. So please everyone have a watch. Now, going back to this subject on children, Children, we're watching now nowadays, because mental health is such a big, we'll call it a, a problem, we'll even call it a pandemic, right? Okay, because we're in the middle of one just now, we'll call it a pandemic. That's the, the word I would like to use today. Now, because of this, and because parents, their mental health is not strong enough, and they're putting their, I believe, they're putting their focus into things that are irrelevant to life and irrelevant to their life, but also not with the self-love and the self-strength to be unique in their own life. This reflects on their children. Now, children growing up, when I grew up, my mother was a single mom of five kids for a long time. Now, she was busy, okay? We'll put it, there was five boys in the family and she was very, very busy. But my mum was also very in tune with her emotions and our emotions. You know, she would never put too much onto us whenever she was feeling, you know, she would tend to withdraw slightly or, or do what she does, okay? Now, what I see nowadays is parents, and again, we're not going to go for a gender here, we'll see parents making their children their best friend because what they do is they are then putting so much pressure on that child to be their child, to be their best friend. But what I believe they're doing is they're allowing the children to grow up too quickly. And children who should be playing with Barbie dolls at age 12 are understanding that their parents are mentally not balanced. They're understanding serious swear words situations and that they are not allowed, their little brains are becoming corrupt. Now, John, you taught me about the synapses and synaptic pruning that happens just before 13 years of age when a child becomes an adult. So from the age of seven to 13, they're, they're so, so, so vulnerable, you know? And if they get taught everything positive, good, nice, healthy, this is the type of adult they'll be. I believe in this society, and I will go 70% plus in my own belief, that parents doing this to their children are causing them to have unhappy thoughts and ways of working, which is going to cause them to carry this on when they're adults. Can you please give me your thoughts on what I've just said, please, John? <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot there. So, first of all, the reason why you and I 
connected was you originally answered the question. You were the first person on LinkedIn to answer the question, what's your definition of leader? Now, the post where I asked you that question that, that you talked about leader, you also talked about Parrot in that same post. Yeah. And remember, I had outlined my 52 articles ahead of time, and I knew my last article was going to end on <laughs> leadership and parenthood. So it was funny that you're ironic or eerie or whatever you want to call it, that the first person I ended up connecting after two months of no one answering that question was someone who was talking about the end of the book that I put on LinkedIn for free. And so leadership and parenting is two very different topics. And the problem is parents don't know what their objective is. That's the real issue. If you can't define parenting, and if you don't know what the objective of parenting is, then you are damaging the kid. And the, the final conclusion of all this is, you know, birds teach their young to fly. A parent needs to teach their young how to be human. Yeah. The word man is from Manu, Sanskrit, which means to think. So the parent's number one job is to teach their child how to think. Yes. And that's how I measure everything. Every time I see one of these parents showing off their kid or talking about their kid, I'm always measuring are they teaching their kid how to think, which is a cause, or are they teaching treating them like an animal, rewarding or punishing them? Are they treating them like a robot, just logically talking about, you know, talking to them and talking about this? So what happens is, is that parents are supposed to teach their kid how to think. Most parents don't know how to think. And so they end up teaching their kids the wrong way to think, whether they realize it or not. And that's a lot of what you're saying. And then what my passion is, is synaptic pruning, because the brain at 13 loses all the connections it doesn't use most often. And then the person has this other brain. And so at 14, addiction and problems with the law occur. So what parents aren't realizing is, just like you said, that time basically from seven to 13, the parent is teaching the kid's brain or, or put, teaching the kid how to think whether they know it or not and setting the kid's brain up for synaptic pruning. And then the parent ends up with a teenager locked in to the way they taught them how to think. And then they're upset with how their kid thinks and acts as a teenager, but it's the parent. So if a parent is sitting there trying to turn a kid into their best friend, what they're doing is they're taking that kid away from the kid's uniqueness and then the kid's brain synaptically prunes different than them. And, and again, I have this analogy of the driver in a car. You, your uniqueness, your mind, soul is the driver. Your brain is the car. If you raise your kid to run the brain differently than what the driver is meant to drive, you've mismatched the kid. So that's like a truck driver driving a Maserati. Or like a sports car driver driving a truck. Yep. Did you do that to your kid? That's what you're dealing with. So that's the danger of these parents not knowing what their objective is with these kids. Yes. Now, just when you're talking about objectives, okay, some wise man once told me that everything starts with a definition. <laughs> okay. Now, I wonder who that could have been, John. So <laughs> when... We have a definition of parenting. If we ask 
everybody on this planet that's a parent, um, what is the, what is their definition? We will get a different answer. Everything will come back to being, I'm a parent, but everything, the way that they do things is always different, okay? Now, I am all for people having their individual, your unique ways of doing things. I will never judge a person on that. I won't even judge them if they're harming their child to a degree because I understand that the parent doesn't know their uniqueness. And this is what is, this was the cause, the original cause, you know, this is what, if the parent understands their uniqueness, that is the dissolve for the child's behavior or the child's mental health later on, you know? Now, when we have, we see situations and we watch children, you know, and it's the parents say, oh, they're really badly behaved and they're this, I get that, but how did they get to here? How did they, when did this all start? When did they start being rewarded or punished? Um, where they've been punished for the right, the wrong things? What was the, the tactics? You know, we've got to look all the way back through this. Now, we can go to, I'm not, uh, and again, I'm not putting this out to anyone that's went and done it, but I'll, I'll be frank with my own words. I am not a fan of the way the system deals with psychology and deals with counselling and deals with all of these things. And the reason I don't, these people that have done it, I feel amazing that they've, you know, they've, they've went out and they've done all their studying, they've done everything. They can't learn any further than what they've been told because that is the programme. If they deviate, deviate away from the programme, they seem to not be doing their job. Now, because I'm a free man, and you're a free man, and you've done your studying, and you've done 25 years of working with the brain, behaviours, and all these different things that you can't get in four to six years at university, there seems to be a, there seems to be a quite a large gap there. Now, when it comes to going back, uh, if you and I opened a university, <laughs> I think I believe it would be the most fantastic university of life that anyone could ever have because it's all about love, it's all about giving, it's all about growing, and it's we can't get that in the current system. So what we do is we go back and, and when we give counselling to parents or we give counselling to children, I believe they're going over old ground. They're not they're, they're going over it and they're feeling the pain, feeling the pain, feeling the pain while they're speaking about it. They're not dissolving it back to where they understand, accept where things were, and then allow themselves to move on with their unique qualities you know so they can go for counseling for five years ten years you know you i hear in a lot of american films yeah i've just been in my shrink man as if it's a, a casual everyday thing now my personal belief i'm not i understand people have been through different traumatic times in their life and again my heart goes out to them you know i'm compassion server i want to feel that and i want to take it away from them however if we are doing something that's harming ourselves on a daily basis and we are not recognizing that, how are we ever meant to go on? How are we meant to? And if we're giving our, our power to a shrink or a counselor or a therapist, or if we're giving our power to them, how are we ever going to take it back? And I find that, yeah, cut in, John, let me hear you. I'm, I'm just. Oh, what were you going to say? You sound like you were going to conclude. So you think what? Get yeah, the power. If we all go back to our uniqueness. We wouldn't have to go to these people because we would have our power. Right, and and that's the part I, I say that makes people upset, but they can't argue with it, is that you you if you're trying to change someone's behavior by intimidating them, then you're treating them like an inanimate object. 
If you try to change someone's behavior with reward or punishment, you are treating them like an animal. I'm sorry to say that, but that's what you're doing. If you're treating the person logically, hey, everybody should logically do this. You know, Aristotle believed everybody would do what's right if they knew what's right, regardless of uniqueness. They're treating them like a robot. And, and basically, if you look at the court system, if you look at the psychologists and psychiatrists, they somewhere operate between animal, hey, the parent needs to take care of the physical needs. You're right. But that's treating them like an animal, just so you know. You, you just called my kid an animal, okay? Or logically explain this to the kid and then tell them if they don't do this, they're going to get punished. They, now, that was robot, then animal. It all goes back to uniqueness. And you said it perfectly. If the parent doesn't know their uniqueness, then what the parent is going to do is reward the kid when the kid exhibits the parent's uniqueness. So what the parents do without knowing it is they're unconsciously rewarding the behavior of their kid when it matches the parent's uniqueness. And so the issue is, is the parents need to understand it. One of the healthiest things that we do, and, and especially for males, so one of the things that happens is, is a boy grows up looking at his dad or looking at a male role model and yeah. says, that's what a man is. And so they think they have to act like that guy in order to be a man. And, that, and so they operate in opposition to uniqueness and they operate that way. And what tends to happen is guys either look at their dads like they're a god. He never did anything wrong. My dad's a saint. He never did one thing wrong. Or they look at their dad like he was just basically a donor. You yeah. know, he didn't do anything right. And the healthiest things, we take guys through this, we take everybody through this exercise, but we especially take guys through it. And I have friends who sit in a bar with, with a, meet another guy, you know, having a drink, talking, and take him through this exercise, and that other guy's crying by the time they're done. But what they do is they say, look, what was one thing your dad did that was wrong? Just one. Just name one thing that he did was wrong. What's one thing that he did that was right? And that gets people out of that lock. Because if you sit there and say, my dad was perfect. You were telling your unconscious brain, your dad was perfect. And so even when your dad was abusive or did something wrong, you are now telling your unconscious brain, do that to other people. Yeah. So you need to be able to state, There's a, my dad was human. Here's one thing he did wrong. If you say, my dad did nothing right, there are things he did right. Now you're blocking yourself from that. Yeah. So you need to say, if you say one of each, it unlocks that. Then the third part is, what's something your dad did that was right for him, but not right for you? And that's where we tease out the uniqueness. The hardest issue for a parent is to look at their kid and go, I am this. I'm administrator, teacher, and my son is not teacher how. My son hates to be taught my son doesn't want to sit here and talk about a bunch of whys yeah so but i want him to know and i can't reward that behavior i got to reward him for being him but and so that's the reality that's the hardest thing for a parent to do is go my kid is a unique being i believe at four the kid starts showing that you know yeah. they can show up before that but i think at four they show it my kid's a unique being. I need to reward my kid for what 
when they do their uniqueness well. And I will bring you back to, to a business analogy. If you go get an MBA, the, I can distill an MBA down to one concept, and that is, can you run your company closer to your mission and vision than your competition runs their company according to their mission and vision? If you try to run your company like somebody else's company in opposition to your mission and vision, you've lost. Yeah. And I think we all know that in business. But when it comes to parenting, we go, no, I think I can do this. I think I can run my kid in my, according to my mission and vision, and it's not going to wreck him at all. It won't bankrupt them at all. Yeah, and I love the way you just put that analogy there because what we also find, we'll just go back to the parenting for a second, what we also find is parents learn from other parents of how to deal with their children. So I learned from my parents, their parents learned from their parents. But again, we're all just taking these trends on. So when you hear people saying, well, that's what my parents did, and that's the right way to do it. My what happens if your parent didn't do it right, and that was all you knew because you loved them? You know, what happens if you can break that mold and you can take it away? Yeah, give it to your parents, you love them and all the rest of it, but what about if you stop, think, acknowledge, accept, and then move on in your own unique way? I mean, that would change everything now again we're not here to, to promote anything or do whatever we're literally to give information to people to listen but what i would like to say is uh, and talk about briefly is mr lenhart's class i know we're going to do a, a whole thing on this okay but i went through a divorce that would have been seven years ago seven and a half years ago and i see my son as and when i've been told by you know the, the way life goes so when he comes here what happens is he always asks me, have we got any new Mr. Lenhart's class? Now my son's 10, okay, Freddie is 10, and he's a loving, very loving child, and he is compassion server, like his dad, okay? So I can understand, I don't need to reward or punish that child because he is just a loving child, if that makes sense. I don't have to communicate in a different way because it's like talking to myself, genuinely, because he has those traits. Now, when we sit and talk about things and he learns about making friends, about storytelling, about, you know, these small things that we don't ever think about that make such a large impact. And this has changed the way that he looks at things because they're like sponges from this age. Now, if we can touch children with this information from the age of 7 to 13, I would like to put some sort of some to, that people are able to come and get this course from you. If they really, 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 really want their child to be unique and grow up healthy and not in their mindset, they can do this, can't they? Yeah, in fact, one of the things that you made me realize with our um, racism discussion is Mr. Lenhart's class is 20 episodes or about five minutes each, and they're meant to be seen once a week. And what I've realized is like 12 to 14 of those episodes teach the steps to dissolving racism well the stuff we talked about i didn't realize it till after the fact but i looked at it and it's like we teach all those steps to dissolve racism so we're looking at how to offer that to people because honestly if you want your kid to learn how not to be a racist and actually dissolve racism they ought to take this this class in fact adults ought to take this class but the, your point, though, is what's so important about synaptic pruning is 
if a kid learns their uniqueness before synaptic pruning and they run their brain according to their uniqueness, then the brain will synaptically prune according to the uniqueness. And this is what happened more than 100 years ago. So more than 100 years ago, we saw teenagers changing the world. You know, Mozart, Joan of Arc, Alexander the Great, Alexander Hamilton. I mean, there were teenagers affecting the world. And it's because synaptic pruning happens and then puberty. Everybody says it's all puberty. It's not. No. Synaptically pr prune, synaptic pruning happens and the brain gets, gets basically cut away and the paths are formed. And then puberty supercharges those pathways. And if your brain is synaptically pruned to your uniqueness, puberty gives you all this energy that you can change the world. If your brain synaptically prunes in opposition to uniqueness, then puberty hits and everything goes sideways. And in the last hundred years, formalized education has not taught kids their uniqueness. So what we've done is in middle school, we have sunk kids in a hole. Nine, 10, 11, 12, we sink kids in a hole, you know, mentally and emotionally, and then we use synaptic pruning to bring them back to even. We miss out on the chance to make these superheroes. Yep. And that's why I'm so passionate about this. All the problems in the world can be dissolved if we set up kids, Freddie's age, and, and just after, to go through synaptic pruning in a healthy fashion. That's the whole point, to do that. So, yeah, it's, it's one of the things we're looking at offering uh, Mr. Lenhart's class, you know, to people to, um, by September so they can take their kids through over the next 20 weeks and help them learn how to think. Because that's the goal. Amazing. Are you helping your kid learn how to think? That's the whole mission behind this. Now, just as you touch on that bit there, that's another very interesting point. Children will usually always listen to somebody else other than their parents. <laughs> now, if Mr. Lenhart's class is giving them, it's definitely funny, okay? It's very informative because I, I, I get some extra value to my life from Mr. Lenhart's classes based on something, a child learning, okay? So if it's funny, if it's fun, if it's informative and it's allowing them to grow into their unique self, what can be wrong with that, you know? And it also means that they can be learning so they're not going to get a reward or punishment. They're going to be enjoying it, which means they're going to want it. They're not going to have to think, oh, if I do that, my parents going to say good or bad, my teacher's going to say, they are taking it in themselves, you know? And it's, it's probably the most amazing thing that I have ever seen for any kind of young person for learning. And I, I really mean that. And I don't throw compliments out, you know, <laughs> very easily. And that, for me, it was great. So what I would like to say to everybody is, if you would like to be on a waiting list or like to talk about this in September, reach out to me or John, or John and I, and we will both, we will put you on the list and we will allow this content to be created. You will not go wrong. Nobody will. Right. And the, the thing is, is that it is very much an unconscious teaching. Basically, there's about 90 seconds of information in a five-minute episode. It's three and a half minutes of craziness that takes your conscious brain one way. And then the information is taught unconsciously. And then the kid's behavior changes. And, and going back to psychiatrists and all this stuff, yeah. I believe the most humane way to change behavior is un consciously Absolutely. so so if you intimidate people again you're treating them as inanimate objects if you reward a punishment you're trying to change behavior by treating them as an animal if you logically explain what to do 
And I think we're going to later this week talk about exhorters. I'm going to show you how that goes on. But if you logically explain what to do, you're treating the kid as a robot. It's not humane. Really, you know, racism's unconscious. The, our behavior and our energy is unconscious. The way to teach people is unconsciously. And that's what Mr. Leonard's class does, is, is it teaches all that unconscious. So look, the, the final thing I'll say about this, and again, we need to revisit this because I got a lot nice. more, I got a lot more things to say about, about raising kids and stuff. But the reason why I was so passionate about this, and this is where my, my article ended or my book ended on LinkedIn. And I think it's really important is that parents are supposed to teach their kids how to think, but parents don't know how to think. <laughs> how, you know, I could ask people questions. I had two articles that took people through a test on how to think just like they were getting their learner's permit for driving and their driver's test. And we would, you know, we would never let people drive if they couldn't pass those tests. But we let people run around thinking, in a sense, when they don't know how to think. Okay, yeah. so parents don't know how to think. People don't know how to think. So they don't teach their kids how to think. But what the parents do is they say, "Well, I'm going to let the schools teach my kid how to think." So what the parents are doing without knowing it, or maybe they do know it, is they say, "That's the school's job. The school's job is to teach my kids how to think." Well, there's two problems with that. Number one, the teachers did not sign up for that job. Yep. The reason why we're losing so many teachers is these teachers all had a passion to care for kids, to grow kids, and to teach a specific topic they were passionate about. So in their mind, they went to school and everything because they thought every day they're going to show up and they're going to talk about science or math or history, and the kids are going to love it, and they're going to help them learn. That's what they had in their mind. And when they show up, they're dealing with the kids' behaviors. They're dealing with, with kids who don't know how to think. They're dealing with kids who are hurting other kids and stuff. And they're sitting there going, I didn't sign up. Why don't these kids know how to think? So I didn't sign up for this job. Number two, teachers are the worst people in the world for teaching others how to think. And that might sound alarming, but here's the reason why. Humans physiologically sync up their thought processes. We are not computers. You know, we're not robots and we're not animals. We sync up. So when you put a teacher in a room full of 24 kids who don't know how to think, after one month, we say October 1st is zombie apocalypse day. Uh, from October 1st on, after the first month, the teachers sink into the kids. And the teachers have the worst thought process. They get stressed out. They need three weeks or they need three months off every year to recover from their thought process being shot. Why? Because they're server housed. They, they bond into the kids. Their thought goes right down to the kids because they're surrounded by it because they don't know how to hold their thought process. And then they're off. So they're the worst people. I mean, let's, let's put every parent, let's have every parent surround themselves with 24 kids for three, four hours. Let's see where their thought process is. So the thing is, is that teaching is the ultimate test of can you hold your thought process, and that's what we do. We offer instant impact. We help the teachers. We believe the teachers are the best at helping and caring for the kids. We want to care for the teachers. We want to help the teachers hold their thought process in, in spite of everybody taking it down, and then we want them to flow. Not that they have more energy than they would have had, 
but they gain energy. I don't know another consultant out there who can promise you that you can end the day with more energy than you began. We got teachers who end the year with more energy than when they began, and they don't want to take the summer off. So that's the thing is that is really what we've set up is the reason the world is going down the hole basically is our next generation is not being taught how to think and they're taking down the people, teachers that are supposed to help them up. And that's why everything keeps crashing and nobody out there. And I've, I've made every influencer aware. I've made every billionaire aware. None of them want to address this issue they want to ignore it they have no solutions and that's why everything keeps going bad that's and just we'll just finish out i just want to make one more quick point please just before we finish off here and it's about you know when we go through school so i've spoken to you about this on previous videos so when i was at school i wasn't a disruptor but what i was was i wasn't able to zone in to what i was being taught all the time so i talked and i had to express myself and I had to understand the way people are feeling and I had to help them and all these things. Now, that goes against you in school, okay? Because you're not conforming to the way that you're told. Now, I may not have a university degree because it wasn't, I didn't like being dictated to. I might not have a high, high education, but do you know what I have got? My unique self that I've recognized, I couldn't put words to it until a year ago, but I lived it if you understand what I mean. And I wasn't, this wasn't given to me. I wasn't given this chance to be myself. And this is why I believe that the school system can hurt children because they are not being brought out to be their unique self. They're being told that they are doing wrong for being themselves. And then this causes mental illness. This causes them low self-esteem, low self-confidence and lack of expression. So I, and we could do a whole other talk about this. So let me just briefly say, when you look at uniqueness, you know, one aspect is internal or external processor. So we all think one way or the other. And, and everybody thinks they're wrong the way they think. External processors like you and I, everybody tells us we're rude. We interrupt people because you and I have to talk in order to think. We can't think unless we talk, right? Internal processors have to think before they talk. So everybody thinks they're slow. Where does school want you? It wants you just this side of the halfway point. They want you just internal. If you're over here, you interrupt. And the minute we ask a question, you need to answer it. If you take more than a millisecond to answer it, you're too internal. Yeah. So school is built for this specific processing. Then picture perspective. Big picture, you know, no details, all context. Small picture, all details. School wants you just this side. You gotta get an accurate answer, so you can't be big picture, but there's a limit to the accuracy. 2.2 is not 4.0000000, okay, it's enough. <laughs> so right now we have a very narrow uniqueness, and then when you look at the intangible drivers, they want people in the middle. School is built for no one. School is built for a computer. The valedictorians are always slightly internal, slightly small picture and they're right here in, in the middle of the intangible drivers. That's where they always are. And what I like to say to people, when I go and talk in the schools, I say school is built for no one yeah. and the world is built for everyone. You will find your purpose and you will find something that fits you outside of these walls of this school. I am working with one school 
and they are moving towards valuing the kid's uniqueness because you were an external processor. You had to talk to think, and I'm working with a school where they understand that about the kid. And so they, they help the kid go, look it, you have to talk to think, but you don't have to yell. Yeah. You can whisper to think you can, this school is actually helping the kids understand their uniqueness. That's so amazing. they know how they learn and school ought to Teacher, when you graduate from high school, you should know how you uniquely learn, which means also how you uniquely motivate yourself. And kids are not learning that when they graduate high school, and that's the big problem. But I, I am working with one school that's doing that. But I am telling you, there is no other school that is doing that. And if you know of a school doing that, I'd love for you to send me the link. I'd love to talk to that school because I guarantee you it's slightly internal. It's slightly small picture. That's how they're teaching everybody. Amazing. Honestly, we can literally, I want to come back and revisit this, please, because we can talk about the motivation. We can talk about them being held back, not being unique, um, and starting from parents. Again, we can go back to them finding out their uniqueness as well. So thank you very, very much for today again, John. It's been absolutely amazing. And again, as per usual, I feel energized after the conversation. Even though I've expressed and I've got something off my chest, I still feel energized because we've not put anyone down and we're all grown and this is what we're all about. And it's all about giving information for people to plant in their own seeds and grow themselves, you know? So yes, thank you very much again. I look forward to speaking to you soon. Cheers, John. Bye. Bye.